internet. You tune into the Combat Jack Show, the CombatJackShow.com. Um, I'm really excited about uh, today's guest because, in a way, behind the scenes, he's been so involved not only with the Combat Jack Show but with some other the other shows on the Loudspeakers Network. Um, you know, the Read, um, Brilliant Idiots, um, Tax Season, and this this man has he's 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 breaking the rules. Um, he's changing history on one level, but at the same time, indirectly, and I definitely need to talk to you about that. It's like just how you're rippling yeah. in, in, in this podcast sphere, like just really like shifting it. So without further ado, Internets, I welcome to the Combat Jack Show, Mr. Tristan Walker. What's going on? From Walker and <laughs> Company. What's going on, sir? Yeah, I got to ask you a question. Yes. Ask Taxes. Are ask, we sponsoring this episode? Um, You tell me. Nah. You, 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 we're not sponsoring it? <laughs> it's that free, can, free we, advertising. We can't, do, we can't do an ad together? Can we do an ad together? We, we can do an ad together. Okay, Internets, if you don't know who Tristan is, Tristan is the man behind Bevel. All day. Get the Bevel. superior com. shaving system. <laughs> Coarse curly Designed hair. Designed for coarse and curly hair. <laughs> this is the man skin. right here. Yo, man, I'm so glad to meet you, yeah, man. Yeah, man, same, same. Yo, con- congratulations blessing. on everything. Like you're, you're doing a lot of big things. You know, um, a lot of great press is out there yeah. on you. You're changing, I guess, or attempting to change the complexion of Silicon Valley. Trying, trying our best, man. You know, you 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 are, you were dubbed as the uh, visible man. Ah, yeah. Yeah, it was a great, great piece, man. Great I'm, piece. I'm thankful for it. To counter the invisible man. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a story that I'm thankful was told. Um, you know, we need to tell more of those stories. Right. Um, I'm very fortunate, very blessed um, to be given those opportunities to tell those stories. And I'm thankful for your inviting me on the show to talk more about it. You know, I want to, before we jump into your history, you know, I, and, and we'll get into how you're changing Silicon Valley in the whole nine yeah. and the, the ripples that you're making and how people you know, watching you and, and they're, they're learning from you and, and there's this microscope on you. But at the same time, like I said, man, for you to come into this podcast game <laughs> and really start sponsoring so many of the shows, particularly in this space, man, what is it about the podcast that brought you to this, Look, they're, they're, to this platform? Yeah, there are a couple of things. Number one, um, you know, we got to be where our customers are, right? right? Like we advertise everywhere. Um, but like there's no better platform uh, for the audience that we're seeking than kind of what you guys are doing. Right. Like this is about the culture. Our brand's about the culture. Uh, we need to embrace that culture. Right. There's also something to be said about like just wanting to uplift people who look like me. Right. Like I, I want to be supportive. I remember I, I sent an email out to Charlemagne because, you know, just watching the moves that he's making, mm. man. Like I just wanted to send him an email congratulating him. Right thanking him right because a lot of you know at least when i think about black men or talking to other black men there's not that level of support that like we just need right like i just want to kind of push that positivity uh and bring it back to the community right it's one thing uh for me to work on my own personal net wealth uh, my wife my sons my companies my employees um, but I want to bring that wealth back to the community right? Right. and whatever i could do whether or not you know there are kind of some podcasts that are more effective than others right um, but I keep telling the team, no, just give it some time, right? right? Give it its patience, right? It'll come around. Uh, and, you know, everybody knows that we are the podcast thing for yeah. you guys, yeah. right? Like, and I, it's a blessing. Right. And it's not like one of those things where it just feels like advertising. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the reason why I think I was so excited to work with you, like you, I remember you like texted me, called me. You're like, Tristan, I got to speak to this Tristan dude. Yes. Right. Like I use the product. I like the product. Um, you know, how do we continue to make this bigger? Right? right. And that's all I need to hear to support you. And I'll continue to now. Thank you. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, at, at this point, I think 
what I like about at least over here in the loud, on the loudspeakers network and with some of the some of the other networks and some of the other shows is that you know the authenticity yeah, yeah, really yeah. counts the uh the intimacy between yeah. the, the the host yeah. and the audience is very key and yeah. you know I don't know if we've ever said this before but there's been a couple of times that we've been approached yeah you know with some some decent some decent dollars mm-hmm. and it's like I can't I can't sell that yeah. to my audience because this check is going to pay my bills right now yeah, but yeah. i don't know what it's going to do to harm my credibility man yeah, so yeah. like i said man i fucks with bevel i fucks with walker i mean i know you guys have some incredible products coming yeah. on i know we can't talk about it <laughs> yeah, yet it's but, coming. but when it comes man please <laughs> man, like, i want i want to i want to kick through the walls with yeah, that shit you're gonna man. be the first man um you talked also man behind the scenes about how you saw a difference in terms of how um ads on podcasts resonate better than other yeah. So, we, so we've tried terrestrial radio, right. you know, and it just didn't work. And the reason is terrestrial radio only works for people who just keep spending money. Right. right? Cause that's all about recall. Right. Um, Truecar.com, Right. Or like mesothelioma ads, mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff like that. Um, so we just didn't want to spend all that money to get that recall. The great thing about podcasts, which is interesting, a couple of things. Number one, your audience is just keep increasing, mm-hmm. right? Like you guys are kind of reaching into something that is pretty special to authenticity right so it's not like a just regular script read right like you guys feel it when you say it right and like customers can actually tell that authenticity like you're not bullshitting them. like it's real right and then lastly again like it is the culture right uh you know terrestrial radio is a dying medium right our yes. customers is increasingly it really dying digital. though i think so okay i don't remember the last time i heard like listen to the radio right. except like you know and you Steve drive Harvey a lot you're, you're, the you're out in the west you, you drive a lot you yeah, know but what's different now is that like i could put on a podcast yes. and have that kind of last the right. entire duration of the right. ride right. Right? right my wife is training for a half marathon right now she's mm-hmm. not listening to music she's listening to podcasts wow. now right like and i look at that I, I observe the world and i just see so many other people kind of leveraging this medium in a special way and we just got to be a part of that no, def- yeah. definitely man. thank you Talk about this journey, man. How does somebody do all of this? And you're from Queens, man. Yeah, I mean, it, they don't. Right. <laughs> that's that's the story. I what mean, what part of Queens? Uh, so I was born in Southside Jamaica, Queens, 40 Southside. Projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were born in 40 Projects? 40 Projects. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, when I was six, I moved out to Flushing, Queens, Latimer Projects. Right. My family's still out there right now. Um, man, it, it was tough. Uh, and, you know, I tell folks, you know, if it wasn't for my mother, man, like she beat it in me. <laughs> like Tristan, what was your mother from? You're gonna be the one. Uh, my my mother's from a little small town outside of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, called okay. Aliceville, Alabama. Okay, she moved out when she was about 18. I uh, had my brother super young. Had my sister shortly thereafter, and then about 10 years later, had me. She moved out. So you're the baby. I'm the baby. Wow. I'm, you know, I joke. I'm the kind of mistake because right. <laughs> um, I'm so far apart. Um, but yeah, man, she's treated me with so much love, conviction, and pride. Um, and unfortunately I wish I can kind of tell her that more and more and right. more and more and right. more and more, uh, cause she deserves it. She must be so proud of you. I, I, as Does much, she know what you do? Uh, she never knows what right. I do, which right. is funny. When I was on wall street, she probably thought I was trading stocks. Right. She knows that I run a company, uh, and it sells some kind of shaving products at the moment. <laughs> um, but that's not what she cares about. Right. She just cares that I'm happy. I'm doing well. I'm not sick. Right. Uh, if she hears on the news that there was an earthquake in LA and I live in San Francisco, she wants to make sure I'm okay. Right. I'm like, well, it's 500 miles away. It's not, it's not <laughs> right, right, right. yeah. So my mom is always concerned. Like she's, she's always there for me when I need her. Uh, I'm thankful for that, man. But she's the rock. 
Now, your father was taken away from you. Yeah, at he, four was years old. He, he was, was killed. killed. He was killed. Yeah, Do you yeah. know anything about that? No, nah, so I was just telling uh, Tax, like, I never even asked. Right. Right. And and the reason uh, is because I, I did love that man uh, quite a bit. Right. And I didn't want, you know, when my mom would bring it up, there was always these hints that, like, there's some kind of drug thing involved. Right. But mm. she never said it so directly. Right. Um, and I never wanted to taint that man. You right. know what I'm saying? Um, so I've never asked to this day. What do you, what do you remember of your father? Uh, so I remember two things. Number one, how loving he was, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, he would work, come home, and, like, we were his focus, mm-hmm. right? And there are a few moments that I remember about, like, a, as a four-year-old. Like, I don't remember too much. And I just remembered he had, like, that kind of, um, that white beard, tons of charisma, right? Everyone loved him when he walked in the room, right? Uh, and... That was the first time I had someone I wanted to aspire to be mm. like. Right? And you knew, you, you knew. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, uh, as I, much oh, as a four year old, your, your, <laughs> yeah, your yeah. memories take you back. Yeah, to that. Exactly. You know, I have a, and it's funny because like I have the worst memory in the world, but that's like one salient thing that like I do take with me all the time. Right. Yeah. Do you remember the 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 that moment when when you when you found out that he was gone? No, you, it's funny. I did not know that he was killed. Right. Probably until I was like twelve, thirteen. Where did you think he went? I, don't know wow. i mean i think i think it was just one of those kind of kind of single mom household situations right keep like it moving. deadbeat dad right. <laughs> kind of thing right uh, and it turned out that it wasn't the case my mom actually has an archive of like the newspaper articles and all that stuff that were written about it i just never asked to read it would you ever i mean it's funny because yeah. i just started doing some therapy again yeah like some family therapy yeah. would you ever consider doing that in terms of um, what kind of because because shit like that still means something to us even though we don't remember yes but at the end of the day i also did have my father figure and i was my brother right right so yes. like your, your, your brother your eldest brother i love that man right you know what i'm saying so like i had that re- replacement of sorts right, right uh, to fill that void so so i'm thankful for that i don't think you know if i use therapy it would be for other things right. not that okay yeah now you were an athlete i tried to be you tried to be <laughs> yeah what'd you play yeah so i played ball as a point guard i was okay. pretty good too uh across the shit out of people Okay, uh, <laughs> and um, so I did that. I did that all the way through high school. Right. Um, and and, and up, this is what during the nineties, just like yeah. The, so I I started. I had a I had a basketball in my hand from the day I was like three years old, okay. right? And I've been playing AAU, you know, high school, all that stuff. And I got to the point in high school that I just played too much, right? And I just stopped having a love for the game, mm. right? I also was track and field. I was a long jumper, okay. triple jumper. Uh, and once I graduated high school, I was like, I'm going to double down on this academic thing. Right. And <laughs> yeah. and did you have a teacher also recognize your potential? Oh, yeah, all the time. And when I was uh, ever since elementary school, junior high school, um, you know, had these grade point averages like 98, 99. Um, I had the good fortune to go to boarding school for high school. And that was a function of uh, executives at the Boys Club of New York, the after school program, right. recognizing that potential. Right. And they were like, Tristan, you need to take this test. Uh, you need to go to Hotchkiss and visit. You need to accept this full scholarship. And you have uh, no ifs, ands, or buts. You're doing it, <laughs> right? Where's this coming from? Where's this aptitude for, for school coming from? Is it coming from home? Yeah, well, certainly my mom put me on it. But two, I just have like this insatiable desire to learn stuff, right. man. Like, I love learning. <laughs> That's the one thing when I say like, you know, I get bored by a lot of things. The one thing I never get bored by is it's learning. learning. That's it. So right? you were a sponge, soaking just, it up. I don't even know if I'm necessarily a sponge in so much as like, I just want to know everything. And right. it probably takes me a little bit longer time to like learn all the things I need to know. Um, but like, I'm very focused on trying my best to become an expert at things I right. study. 
Are there any right. subjects that you're like, yeah, I can't fuck with that? Like, um, what, what what intimidates you? That's a good question. Um, math. Nah, I love math. I love numbers. Uh, for me, accounting is probably one of them uh, that I struggle with. Statistics. Right. Uh, I fucked up. In but, but I knew it was going to be so important to what I do now. Right. So now I'm pretty damn good at it. Okay. Right. Um, God, what else? I don't know. I'm just so fascinated by everything, man. Like, I don't. I can't say that there's anything that I would. I could learn to cook, and I want to be the expert. Right. I think that's just the function of just my competitive spirit. I see what you're saying. The minute someone who you who you competing with, though, man, yourself, everybody, right? I want to be the best person in the world at the things I do. Right. Anything that I do. Right. You know. Uh, so I just try. I know I can't like get there all the time, but I can aspire to it. Okay. Yeah. So so you, here you are. This you're this good student. Yeah. You're realizing that 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 your hoop dreams might not be reality. <laughs> And what's going on in Queens right now in, in your environment, man? Yeah, so, you're, you're, well, I was actually a bit kind of detracted from it because I was in boarding school, right? right? Like, I was jaded, man. So you, miss, you missed out on a lot of the real shit that was going on in your, yes with your no. peers? Yes, I mean, I had to come home for, um, you know, vacations and right. all that stuff. But, like, I had a new peer group, right? Like, right. It was just different. Right. I mean, there's still kids from New York who went to that school, too. But, like, we just had a set of shared circumstances that were different from when I came back home, right? I just couldn't do that knucklehead shit anymore. Right. Like I, I just had to do something. I was given an opportunity, and I needed to make sure that people were proud of the fact that I took advantage of that in the most positive way. Was there a right. culture shock when you got to Hotchkiss? Oh, yeah, man. It was the first time I got to see how the other half lived. Right. Um, Did was, you know that the other half I had no lived. idea. No idea. Right. It, it was the first distinction that I made between being rich and being wealthy. Right. Right. You know, I went to school with Rockefellers and Fords and like that sort of thing. And I was like, man, that's generational. Generational. That's slave money. (laughs) You see slave money. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I knew, especially uh, when I was started to turn sophomore and into my junior year, like I was competing with those folks academically. Right. I was like, if if I could do it with these folks, man, like my future is pretty bright. Was there a curve that you had to to to, to climb in terms yeah. of getting acclimated socially? Like, yeah. let's talk about like some of the barriers that you. Oh, a couple things. Yeah. When I was a freshman, I didn't even know what a verb was. Mm. I had no idea. Right you now, fast forward to the end of that freshman year, like I'm doing very well in English. I'm knowing my predicate nominatives, like like all that stuff, right? right. Like, and I, I like that's just my spirit. Like, I got to learn it, and I got to know right. it better than yeah. anybody else. Um, it was a school of 500 folks. Um, of which, let's just say, fifteen to twenty were black, mm-hmm. right? Um, not that much. Not that much. And when you consider not only the racial disparity but socioeconomic, mm-hmm. then things start to get really interesting, right? Because right? not all the brothers are, and the sisters exactly, on the same exactly, plane as you, exactly. Right. So it narrows and narrows and narrows right. and narrows. Right. Um, but the thing that I had going for me, which I think um, I appreciated, uh, was a core group of friends that kind of shared not only my ambition, but just my outlook on life. Right. And then two, professors that believed. You know, one thing, I was having this conversation the other day, and I think this applies to high school, too. I was always that dude in the hood where, like, you know, like, he never really got in trouble, but, like, all the other people in the hood wanted to make sure that he, like, Could got not. out of it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like... They would always have my back on things, right? Like, yeah, I wasn't knucklehead, but like, they were like, you know, Tristan, like, he's our guy. Right. You know what I'm saying? Did you want to be a knucklehead at times? No. Ever? No, no, no. no. I had, I was destined to get that. What's the most knucklehead shit you've did? Most knucklehead stuff that I've done. You had to do something. I mean, you were in, you were in the environment. I mean, it was like, you know, junior high school, right? Like, just being rowdy in class, like. 
throwing spitballs at the blackboard, chalkboard, right. having that shit stick. So, so you being a, <laughs> right? like, a kid. You yeah, being a kid. I mean, I was just, yeah, right. I was a kid, right? right. Um, but I also never got caught. Right, right. <laughs> right? That, that's key. So was like a, that, that's key. Yeah, I was always that dude that like knew how to kind of talk his way out of things, right. right, and that sort of thing. I never got myself in the trouble that I probably should have. Right, right, right. Uh, and then I realized that it was too risky. So, so you get to <laughs> yeah. Hotchkiss, and, yeah. and it's kind of interesting, man. I went to... Um, my first experience with people from a whole different world was yeah. when I got to Cornell. Yeah. But yeah. I went to Xavier High School in the yeah. city. Yeah. Um, and it was my first time around white people. Mm-hmm. And I remember all throughout high school, like me and my crew from Brooklyn and mm-hmm. from Harlem, and this was like the advent of hip hop. Yeah. We we knew we were cool. We yeah. knew that we were emulating the fly shit. We had the Izas and, and, and <laughs> the little cars and yeah, the, the yeah. British walkers and the yep. whole nine. and. When I got around the white people at Xavier, I had I, I felt so sorry mm-hmm. for white people because I was like, oh my god, like these people don't have any flavor. <laughs> yeah. Like I just felt that you know, just they they weren't in tune with what we were in, and I really had this sense of compassion. Yeah. For them, like this must be sad. Yeah. Being like this, and then I got to Cornell, and I was like, wait a minute, these cats have Porsches. And yeah. Yeah. Freshman year, and yeah. they're going to, yeah. you know. It's crazy. They're, they're man. traveling for spring break, and and then it it's just like the world opened up mm-hmm, for me, man. Mm-hmm. It was the first time that two things that I realized how important black culture was, right? Right? Because like I was in, um, I, I started in 1998, right? Right? And that's hip hop full swing, right? right? Like like so hip hop, hip hop is commercial, is, yeah, 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 yeah. So like you know you have the kids that like you know, want to start rocking Mecca and Aniche and like Esco and like shit like that, and it's like. It's not only the black folks, it's the white folks too. Right. Um, but also, you know, you go to school in your blue blazer with the kind of brass buttons and the Clark Wallabies yep. where the gum sole is like diagonal because mm-hmm. you wore them out, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. you can't afford the new joints. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like my existence. And what was funny is like I was also trying to find myself. Like right. where did I have my place within kind of this very um, waspy environment, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, you go to these like Saturday dances you know, you got the Esco gear. You know, I remember Fab, Jada Kiss had like, you know, those paper towel bandana joints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go and it's like at Hotchkiss. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, so that caused all types of like undue controversy. But you'd find like the following week, all the other folks tried to copy that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. And that was the first inkling that I really understood the power of black culture. You're lucky, man, because yeah. when I was introduced to that environment, hip hop was so young. Yeah. So yeah. it was definitely more of a a, a broader wall yeah, between the cu- cultures. Like yep. they did, I'm talking about this is like the early days of Run DMC. It's almost like revolutionary. Yeah. So they yeah. still didn't jump on the yeah. the, the, the Run DMC yeah. band. So it was like so I was always a little bit more guarded. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and not like I got a crossover. They got a crossover. We're not gonna you know. Yeah. It was, it's kind of crazy. Well, this is a day of like Diddy and Mace. Like, yes. Like, Where everybody more problems. Yeah. Right? Like exactly. You do that in like Hodgkins. It's crazy. Yeah. That, that, that's <laughs> ill, man. So, yeah. so um, my youngest son. Uh-huh. I don't know if you ever had these issues. Um, my youngest son. All my kids go to private school mm-hmm. with these sons of the Rockefellers and the whole not. And he hits me this week, and he's like, Dad. Um, when there's fried chicken in the cafeteria, <laughs> I don't eat it. Yeah. And I'm like, why? He's like, because I don't want to mm-hmm. fall into this stereotype. I'm like, well, you're a goddamn fool, boy. Get the, <laughs> did, did you have any of that angst or any of those things where you had to I did. compromise I did. Your, your blackness in a sense? Uh, or, or, or or think through your black or second guess 
your blackness. It man. was is not necessarily second guessing. It right. was thinking about it, being mindful of it, um, but still embracing it at the same time. Right. Like you had the hockey table, mm-hmm. you had the drama table, you had mm-hmm. the black table. Right. And it was always the same folks at that table. Right. And everybody knew it was the black table. Right. Right. Um, but you still wanted to make sure you assimilated into like the culture in a kind of kind of deeper way. So the thing about prep school is that you're always mindful of it. Always. mindful. Always. Right. You know, there was this one, um, you know, at, at the school, you can write a free speech. Right. So after auditorium, they'll post kind of the most prominent free speech in front of the cafeteria for everybody to read. Right. You can write about anything you want. And there's this controversy around folks rocking do-rags in the dining room, mm-hmm. right? Um, Who was rocking do-rags? Oh, well, it's like the black folks, right? right. <laughs> right? Were you? Oh, you, yeah, you, man. You I, were rocking yeah, your... Yeah, you know you had like the kind of imprint in the joint because yeah. I tied it too tight. All right, let me ask you this also. <laughs> let me ask you this. I, <laughs> yeah, I know you yeah. was rocking the rock aware yep, and the Sean John. Yeah, Were you rocking the, the 5XL white tees? Nah, man. And the was, Pelly Pellys, the, the I big... I it. Nah, it was... You, you didn't... Not the 5XL? That's when I was rocking, rocking like larges. I'm rocking okay. mediums. Now. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now I didn't go too crazy. You didn't go 5X. Nah, okay. man. Because that would have been crazy. Like the 5X jeans and yeah that was that was the funny times when like even on our scholarship we would get like kind of scholarship lunch money right and then you'd like take that money and like open up east bay for the latest kicks (laughs) right like send go to ebay send money orders yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah so the the do-rag thing thing. yeah yeah. what color what color do-rag man well so i had the two-tone joint red black Uh, i had all black okay (laughs) white blue all that shit um, and you know, you had the situation where you had like hockey players come with like their hockey kind of mm-hmm, hat mm-hmm. and they'd be asked to take off the hat in the cafeteria, but right. the folks with the do rag were not, right. that caused this shit storm. Right. Like it was they, crazy. They hate when they, when they, when they're told yeah, they can't do some shit. But the shit thing though. like that makes you mindful of it right. all the time. Right. Right. Now, how did you survive that, 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 that shit storm, the whole do rag shit? Like what, what happened to that? Um, are they, are, are the kids now kept at, rocking I, it? I, right. You kept rocking. I mean, I, I also like. I also wanted to make sure that I practiced some semblance of empathy too, right. right? Like I didn't want to be that dude that's just like iconoclast, like out just being like an asshole to be an asshole, right? I was there in full scholarship, right. period, full stop, <laughs> right? Um, so I knew what was given to me, and I didn't want to mess that up, right? right. So yeah, I can rock my do rag at home, like that's cool in the dorm overnight, like still. So you realized there was some compromise. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, for, for you, for personally, me personally, right, right, but course. I wasn't willing to compromise everything. Of course, right? yeah, I'd still go to the building with my do rag on when I wanted to, right? right? But I just would take it off in the cafeteria. The girls love that, cool. right? They was like, "We got to touch the do rag." Right? We <laughs> no got to touch the do rag. Like, why is your forehead got this imprint in it? <laughs> you, 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 you talk about knowing how to cross over just enough to be non-threatening, yeah, but remain authentic, your yeah. authentic queen self, yeah, to not be a stereotype. Yeah. Is, is this what you're talking about? Yeah. Now? So there's a couple things. Number one, I um, because I got exposed to that so early i know how to talk to different types of people right that's black white asian rich poor middle class etc hood um hood right um authoritatively too right like you know i can kind of mix and match in between quite quite seamlessly and i'm thankful for that like if i didn't have that experience i probably wouldn't have been able to do that right Right. but you also got to couple that and it took me at least until like three or four years ago to get to this point where like I knew I knew how to do that, but I also needed to make sure that I didn't do things to make people like me, right? I just had to stop giving a shit what people thought about me. That compromise yeah, part. And right? that just made me like it freed me up a little right. bit to just be a little bit more about who I am right. and make myself more authentic, yeah. right? And I think people appreciate that. Um, so you graduate from Hotchkiss. Huh? Um, you go to Stony Brook. Stony Brook. Yeah. And you, you kill it. 
Right. Valedictorian, graduated three years. Um, out of four. Out of four. Out yeah, of four. Yeah. What, so was, it, what was your major? Economics. Economics. Yeah. Yeah. And what did you want to be? Um, I wanted to work on Wall Street at that point. Okay. Why? Because um, money. 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 <laughs> That's right. it. So you're motivated by money. Yeah, I was. At that, was. At that yeah, age. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you get into Wall Street. Yeah. What is um, SEO? Yeah, so SEO sponsors for educational opportunity. Right. It's an internship program that gets like the highest performing black Latino engineers or not engineers, black Latino um, undergraduates okay. uh, internships in front office roles right. uh, at investment banks. And right. the reason it works so well, you know, like Goldman Sachs isn't going to Stony Brook to recruit people for investment not banking roles. Not at all. Right. But SEO does that for them. Right. Um, so you were able to find me and kind of get me that opportunity. How'd you like Wall Street? I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I hated it, man. It just wasn't for me. Right. What exactly was it for you? Culture. Right. Culture. Uh, It's a crass culture. (sighs) Yes? It depends. Right. Um, I was just set up with uh, the wrong leaders. Right. Right. Who didn't want to nurture me. Right. uh, And train me to kind of be the best that I could be. And what I realized at the end of the day, I I was an oil trader. The whole point of my job was to make money with other people's money to, at the end of the year, make money for myself. Right. Like, there's nothing in that that, like, inspires me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Did you try? Like, I mean, you're competitive. You say yeah. you're competitive. Did you feel at first that there was something wrong with you not getting getting this thing or, or getting into this thing? Uh, into Wall Street? Yeah. Like, like really, like, enjoying it. Because um, when you're young. Probably. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think um, leaving undergrad, you know, valedictorian, 4.0 GPA, had this great, like, opportunity. Golden kid. Yeah, I was. I think I was feeling myself a little right. too much, <laughs> right? Um, so I needed to kind of come off the clouds a little bit, practice some more humility. Uh, but by that time, I was like, I got to get out of here. Right, right. Right. So you knew it was the wrong place for you. Yeah, I mean, I had this vision. Like, I wanted to retire on Wall Street by the time I was 30. Right. Right, and it just wasn't working out as quickly as I would have. Right. And, and, and <laughs> what's know? the worst that happened, man? Uh, on Wall Street? Yeah. I got fired. You got fired. <laughs> yeah. I got laid off. That That's... Um, that's, that's uh, you that's humble that's well humility. yeah i mean i and i got laid off at a time about two weeks before i heard a decision from stanford mm-hmm. my wife and i had just bought a condo and were renovating it in queens how old did you and get married? it was right before my bonus how so, old did you get married 22 22 like okay wait 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 wait, wait. Let's, let's go back <laughs> yeah. like like how do you get married at 22 i i didn't expect it right and that woman came into my life and just where would you meet her man facebook Facebook. Yeah. Facebook? Yeah, the story is she, my last semester in university, I was in London, she poked me on the Facebook. Okay. Um, and then we became like fast friends. And then the day um, I got back, it was middle of May, and I was going to graduate early June. We became best friends. And then a year later, we were engaged. A year after that, we married. That's that's young, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, it wasn't the easiest transition right. either. Right, right. right? Uh, marriage is hard, transition. but but marriage is hard, man. Yeah, it's the, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Right. Uh, I mean, but it's and, the and best continue. Thing I mean, it's 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 work. It's always work, right. man. It's never perfect. Like we we work on it all the time, right? Yes. Uh, and we put in the effort. And to make and that's important break. that you say that because yeah. it, it it's work, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's yeah. you know it's funny. Like when I look at a lot of my friends with like these very happy go lucky relationships, I'm right. like, I don't know about that. Right. Right. <laughs> um. But how do you how do you maintain a marriage of twenty two when your peers, obviously not married? Yeah, it's perspective, man. Because around that time, quite frankly, it's interesting you bring this up too. Because I never really thought about this. Um, when I met my wife uh, and when we were engaged, that's when I started going to church. Mm. Right, like I'd never done church before, right. and like she helped me acquire the faith I needed. Right, right, and that faith gave me the discipline. Right, um, 
And for me, it's like faith, my family, my work. That's all I focus on. It is what it is, right? So that, that knucklehead shit went out the window. Right. And I would also look at all my friends who are single, like doing their thing on Wall Street. And it's like, yo, you're spending a lot of money doing that. Doing some crazy shit. And your shit, output like, is dude. not that serious. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> right? Right. And I'm, I'm at home happy, right? right? Happy renting stuff on Blockbuster. Right. Blockbuster <laughs> like, and chill. Like, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> um, and then I would imagine also that the support base from church is also. Yeah. Well, I mean, so she has, a well, first of all, a very big family. That's right. something I never really had. Right. Yeah. So she's Jamaican, like family from Jamaica, like very familial. Um, so that was great. And um, they practice Christianity. Right. So like I had that support system in spades. Right. Um. And then the larger church community, for sure, as right. we progress throughout it. Yeah. So it's amazing, though, that she's with you at the beginning of your journey. Very beginning. And, you know, I, I'm very, you know, I say this with a little bit of hubris, uh, you know, when I say I was feeling myself a little bit. But I was like, if I don't meet the woman I'm going to marry by the time I graduate, I'm not getting married. Because, mm. like, I was always like, man, I wonder, I, I never want to put myself in a position where I'm wondering why this person is with me. Right. Right. She was with me when we were like half off appetizers at Applebee's. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like that's real. Which is, which is key. Yeah. It's, it's the only thing. Yeah, definitely, you know what I'm saying? We get there at like 950 and they're like, you want to sit? And like, nah, we can wait 10 minutes. And you also, <laughs> right? you also have somebody you could really speak to. Yeah. When, I mean, when, she, when, when you, when you get fired. And she's the only person um, that I can probably say that for right. with as much conviction. So you get fired, you yeah. go home. What do you say? Well, I didn't even go home. So I got fired. Um, we were in Midtown, it's 47th and Park, um, and she was working at Fashion High School. Mm-hmm. It was just on like 20th Street or something mm-hmm. like that. I walked all the way there. I didn't even call her. I didn't tell her. And I got outside the, um, the school, called her and told her, and she was like, all right, I get it. Um, and it was so hard because like we had the renovation happening uncertainty about Stanford. You, we were you, gonna you, get married. You were committed soon. to you had you had Or you just married actually. Right, but you had yeah. co- you had committed expenses. Exactly. And it was like shit, man. Like it was the first time I was like, man, what's gonna happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is crazy. Turned out, uh two weeks later I got into Stanford. Also turned out I got a bonus. Also turned out they gave me eight months of severance. Nice. And then I went to Stanford. Nice. Right. Which, so, which, is, which is a great kit. Yeah. And to, to go to school with. And that's I mean for me, you know, you talk about like this whole faith thing, like Man, that was like the true manifestation right. of that. Like she stuck with it throughout, right? So I, I owe that woman everything, um, and like she is the best thing to happen to me, and will continue. What does she say when it's time to move out to to, to the West Coast? She's ready. She's, She's ready. ready. She was ready, man. I think. Well, she all of her family's out in New York, so it it was about like a two week weird transition period for her. After the two weeks, she's like, "I'm never moving back." Right? Yeah, we just needed for us. We needed that change of scenery. We need to be away from our families to enjoy each other a little right. bit. Right, which is key, um, man. And that was really the first which, time Which is key. That. Huge. Right. Huge. And no kids at the time either, no which, which, which is time. crazy. Yeah. So, so you go out to Stanford. Yeah. Um. And, and what do you see? <laughs> I saw, I was 24, and I saw the 24-year-olds making millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. In Silicon. Yeah, inside of like a year and a half. Right. <laughs> right. How is this possible? So you're like, oh, I'm about to jump into this yeah, shit. Right? I, I had no idea about it. Right. I had no Be- idea you had no idea it. of Silicon Valley. Yeah. I lucked into Stanford. Right. Because I was like, all right, they entrepreneurial school, right? Like whatever. And I just learned about. I fell into this right. thing. Right. Best thing happened. So I was like, all right, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Right. So let me kind of just hustle and figure this thing out. Is there a difference between this culture and the culture at Hotchkiss? Um, in business school? Well, no, no, yeah, in business school and in, you know, and in. Yeah. Um, so in business school, no. Okay. Um, I think it's the same. It's like people go there to, you know, network as much as they can, right. build those lifelong friendships, blah, 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 blah,
Um, Did you like business school? I love business school. Okay. Um, especially, I mean, in hindsight, I have to say it too, because right. like it's afforded me so much opportunity. Mm -hmm. The thing that I love so much about Stanford Business School was Stanford. And I guess what I mean by that is, you know, as a top business school, as a top law school, as a top medical school, as a top engineering school, top computer science, whatever. And they're all across the street from each other. Right. So I started to think, like, why is Stanford known for this entrepreneur? Because they're, they, they create it, right? They create this environment of innovation. Uh, and, you know, it worked well for me. And, and what about the culture of Silicon? Yeah. Valley? Um, so that's a little different. It, it was probably a little bit even more different in 2008 than it is now. Right. Right. Uh, and the reason I say it is, um, yeah, how is it? I probably, when I first went out there and, and yeah, my history in Silicon Valley is so short. Right. right? Um, so you gotta say what I take, what I say with a grain of salt. Cause it's, you know, pretty menial. Well, in 2008, it felt like everybody was a little bit more idealistic. Right. Whereas okay. like the world needed changing. Let's go out. We're here to make the world better. It. What happens in that? We're here about the re we're about the revolution. Exactly. We're about to shift. Exactly. And people succeed at that. Right. right? Which makes them incredibly wealthy. Right. What happens then? People from elsewhere want to come and participate mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, participate in that wealth creation. Mm -hmm. And that kind of mitigates the idealism. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. It, it, um, dilu it dilutes it. So it feels it feels to me. You know, everybody talks about this whole bubble stuff, but I, I don't know. Right. To me, it feels a little bit more commercial than it was seven years ago. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So how are you trying to make yourself fit in, man? I'm not. Okay. That's like, I'm not. I right. mean, it took me, um, well, when I first moved, I was. Now I just don't give a crap, right? right? But, like, but then, what were you trying to do then? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, in business school, I realized that there are three things that you could focus on. Social, academic, professional. I also realize you can only do two well at one time. Social, academic. And professional. Why only two? Why can you only do two at? Because the people who try and do all three fail. Right. Because it's too much. And you, have you, have, have <laughs> you tested much. this thesis, man? Well, I just observe. Like, right. I'm very observant. Right. right? Uh, and the folks who just tried to win at all three just never did it. For me, it was always academic, professional. Right. So I sacrificed my social quite significantly. Right. And thankfully so. Right. Because, you know, it was all about my business. And and you had and you had your lovely wife with yeah, you, so yeah. so you had, had you had you had room. I had perspective to sacrifice social. exactly right. right, exactly right. Now I still have like lifelong friends out of that. Right, right. it's like two or three, but I didn't need fifty. Right, I didn't need that. You didn't need to be popular. Yeah, right. Nah, man, that's not that's not my job. Okay, right? so you didn't you didn't try to fit in. You're doing you're doing. Yeah. What, what's acting with power? Oh, best class I've ever taken. Man. Okay, it's um so it was a second year elective, and it's literally what it says. It's an acting class that teaches you how to look as if you have a position of power right? and this is a course correct it's the last semester i took it my last semester right. uh at stanford and um you know so you bring in kind of professional actors with a business school professor they'll give you like a shakespeare script right or kind of some other famous um novel gatsby something like that right and you have to act out a scene right with a counterpart a classmate uh and the great thing is for one scene they make you act it out in like five different ways, right? So you play high, you play low, your posture is certain, like different. And the one thing that you learn out of that is that like power can actually be taught. Like you start to see even some of the most meek people in class look like the biggest bosses mm. <laughs> when they were acting, right? right? And that was so fascinating. Right. So fascinating. Seeing people transform. Yes. Not only transform, but also encouraging people to act in a way that or do the things that they sought. Right. <laughs> right. right. Or ordinarily wouldn't do yeah, or too like, timid or whatever, whatever. something magical but, right, in that. Right. Right. Me, right? Okay. Like, and again, that's like me, like constantly learning. I'm a big, 
you know, my favorite classes in, in business school were everything related to like psychology, organizational right. behavior, because right. that's my job every day. Right. Right. Like practicing empathy, like all that, like I got to learn yes. that stuff. Yes. Right. So um, what are the tips? What are the biggest tips you can share from from acting with power? Right? Yeah. Um, one was really interesting because it's funny because you learn these tips and then, you know, it takes 28 days to make a habit. Right. right. So I would practice on my wife all the time. There's one tip that was really interesting. So let's say that, you know, we're having dinner and we're yeah. across the table from each other. Um, so you're sitting, you're kind of leaning back in your chair, right? Um, so for me to compliment that pose, I would want to lean forward, right? right? Um, but if you were leaning forward and I'm leaning forward at the same time, that's a little bit combative, yes. right? So if I wanted to actually go into an aggressive negotiation with you and you're leaning forward, I'm leaning right, right into it. Right, 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 right. You okay. know what I'm saying? Uh, so it's like when you start to learn that, you know, like I'm out to dinner with my wife or whatever, um, and I want to make sure that like we're having the best time. So she leans back, I lean forward. She right. leans forward, I lean back. I see, right? I and I'm so it's a, it's a dance. It's a dance. Exactly. Exactly. But then over time, you just learn it. It just becomes. Natural. And does the, does the other person right. really subconsciously react? Um, more often than not, especially when you stop realizing that you're doing it, right? It happens. Right. It's fascinating. You know, it, it's yeah. funny, man. I'm five eight. Yeah. Right. I in my in, entire adult life. Never thought that some people consi- would consider me short. Yeah, I yeah, never, I never, I yeah, never felt that I was yeah, short. I walked and, and, and it was my <laughs> wife that was like, you know, you're kind of short, you know. But I never knew that. I mean, yeah. I, I really ne- and I realized, man, that what I tend to do, even when I'm talking to somebody, I don't. It's, it's I look up, but it's not like yeah. I'm looking up at, yeah, and yeah. it's, it's just a natural. Yeah, well, that's the thing. is that that's is that part difference. of it also in terms yeah, of like I mean, augmenting like well, your that's body? What they say about like playing high, playing right, low, right. right? Like if you play high, you know you want your shoulders back, you want to be looking up at attention, right? Right. But like there are times where you want to play low, right? Like you have an employee who's not having a good day, like you want to you, you want to do that you, power right, shit exactly. Like you want to like show your empathy, right? So you want to round your shoulders, right? You want to like talk low, you want to look down, that sort of thing, right? What'd you and, get in this class, man? What's that? What'd you get in this class? Yeah, it was the highest class, of, ha, highest grade ever. Highest grade. So you're a fucking yeah, yeah. Jedi. I loved it. Right. Well, like, I mean, a lot of it kind of sounds man- manipulative, right? right? But like, at first it might feel that way because you're trying, right. right? But like, it's actually made me a hell of a lot more effective as a CEO because now it's like in my subconscious a little right. bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's let's go to a quick break, man. But before we do that, man, I want to let the audience know, man. That this episode of the Combat Jack Show <laughs> is sponsored by Bevel, the superior shaving system designed for people with coarse and curly hair. And sensitive skin. And sensitive skin. <laughs> and the reason why I feel so comfortable doing this right now is because we have the very no own doubt. Tristan Walker <laughs> What's that? of Bevel. Get like, Bevel.com, people. What do, you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you have to say about this product? How can we get these people to buy this product? Yeah, you man? go to getbevel.com. Uh, you, know, you just let us know what you need. We got you covered. Uh, you know, customers love it, man. 95% of our customers keep coming back. I'm giving you the ultimate pitch right now. 95% come back. 95%. Now, now. you got to understand how big a deal this is, man. Cause like we are doing the hardest thing that anyone could do in health and beauty. That's convincing these men to put raises on their faces. Yes. 95%, 95% of returns right. every month. Internets. You yeah. hear that? Go to getbevel.com. Thank you, Tristan. We punch in the promo code. All day. Combat, C-O-M-B-A-T. Was it 20% off? 20% off. There you go. And now let's go to our break, man. Internets, you tune into the Combat Jack Show, the combatjackshow.com. Internets, we need your support. Head on over to iTunes and search for the Combat Jack Show. There's tons of episodes there for you to check and listen to on the road, in your room, wherever you're at. But... 
We need you to subscribe. We need you to comment. We need you to rate. And we need you to tell a friend to tell a friend. Thank you, Intense. Don't be a fucky bird. Combat Jack Show. Internet, you tune into the Combat Jack Show, the CombatJackShow.com. We got Tristan Walker in the building, Walker and Company Yo, Bevel. Yes, sir. The superior shaving system designed for people with coarse. <laughs> Going for it today. I like curly that. hair and sensitive <laughs> skin, man. Um, yo, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this journey, man. And uh, so you're, you're at Stanford, yeah. right? Um, and then you end up getting an internship at Twitter. Yeah. This is during the early days of Twitter. Yeah, it's 20 people at the company. 20 people at the company. What's Is there an audience? Is there Are there users using it? We had 800,000 users at the time. Okay. Yeah, so it's small. Right, like right. Like hundreds of millions now. What brings you to Twitter? Why do you want to go to Twitter? Yeah, so I like to work on things that change my life. Right. Period, right? Full stop, right? And Twitter was one of those things that completely changed the way I thought about communication. Yeah, I had this one, um, one thing happened to me. I was actually in accounting class. And uh, there's this rumor going around that MC Hammer was going to be speaking at the business school, right? And nobody knew the truth. And I was like, all right, so let's just get to the bottom of the truth. And I tweeted at him. Directly? He was, he was on we Twitter at the time? tweeted at him directly. Right. Yeah. So he was an early adopter. He was an early adopter. Right. And in two minutes, he tweeted back. Wow. Right. And I was like, we just Which is magic, right? Whole thing. Yeah, right. Out of nowhere. And that was right. the first time like a celebrity of sorts just like hit me back so quickly. I was like, these guys lowered this barrier to communication. Imagine what the power of this could look like, like over time. Right. right. I knew I had to be a part of that. Right? right. And that was before people were still like, what is this Twitter stuff? Like you tweeting about like what you eat for breakfast? No, it had kind of deeper power than that. Right. Right. And I saw that from the very beginning. Did you see many of us at on Twitter? On Twitter, not at Twitter. On no, right. no, 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 no. So it was still like early days in that regard. Man, like people were still off Twitter at that time. Right. Yeah, it wasn't until like we started to have like kind of more events where it really started to kind of perk up a little bit. So it you had early you days. had no clue like about the no. possibility of black the phenomena that would become black Twitter. No. Well, I knew I had I had an inkling of it right. because you know we communicate better than anybody. Right, <laughs> right. Like you think about spreading word of mouth. Like you have to you have to embrace the black community. Uh, if you're going to build a social media service, right? right. Um, how, how are you going to exclude the most social demographic on the planet? Um, so I knew when they started to pick it up, it was going to be something pretty special. Right. Um, in terms of the, 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 the makeup of this, of this were, you, were, the only, were you the only black person there? As far as I saw, yeah, right. at the time. And, and, and how was, I mean, how was that, man? Well, it was a little bit, um, a, a little bit I didn't notice too much because I was also going to school at the same time, right. right? So I had to like travel back and forth. I was there three days a week, not every day, right? I wasn't there all day. I was there like four hours a day or whatever. And we were kind of siphoned off a little bit. So it wasn't even in my head. Like right. I was just thinking- just do the best damn job I can do to set me up for the next thing. Right. right. Um, but it was the first time I actually was like made aware of like this diversity thing. Right. And knew I wanted to do something pretty special there. You know, um, side note. Yeah. Like I love Twitter. Yeah. Like Twitter has changed the best. I, I wouldn't be doing I, I, I doubt most of us in this room will be doing what we do yeah. what we do right now with, with without Twitter. Um, but I keep hearing like just, you know, Twitter's not in the finance it's it's not in a profitable yeah. position and is there is there a chance that Twitter might go away? I I I think there. <laughs> I'm about to because 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 I can't I can't live without Twitter. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm probably gonna say the most sacrilegious thing ever. I think that there's a world where Twitter lasts longer than Facebook. Mm. 
Uh, I mean, like because Facebook is far more profitable. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, like Facebook.com versus like Twitter.com, right. right? And the reason I say it is because there's no other platform on the internet that really achieves that level of like one-to-one communication so quickly, right? Like as a company, to be able to speak to my customers, like, and I speak to them all day, right? Right? There's no other service I can do that. Like, it's how it's democratize that? the world, right? In a sense, right? It's crazy, and that's that's dollars. Like man. that's true democracy <laughs> yeah. in terms of the the value of your voice, exactly. On Twitter, exactly. I mean, every customer has access to me, right? Uh, I have access to them, right? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and it's almost like if. <laughs> If Twitter were to fail, and I doubt it's going to be the case because I have the leadership in place to actually make it succeed, it would be the most well-funded not-for-profit ever, right? <laughs> right? Because nobody will want that to fail. Yeah. Even businesses, for right. their own material benefit, they will put up money to not let that thing fail. I would say it's one of the most important inventions Period. In, 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 in my like life. Since the telephone. Yeah, since the fucking. <laughs> right? Like when you think about yeah. communication. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like it's, since the it's cell. Like, yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's crazy, man. big deal. It's crazy. So you create yeah. something called that, that becomes Twitter 101. What is that? Yeah. So um, I was tasked with really helping uh, Twitter understand how businesses want to interact on the service. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're a restaurant. Why use Twitter? Right. right? You're Starbucks. Why, why, use why are you the guy? Um because I asked, right? right? It's funny. It's much in the same way that like I got my Foursquare job. They were like, what do you want to do? And right. I was like, business development, because I had the word business in it. I was going to business school. It just made sense, right? So I was like, let me help you figure out how to like chat with business, right? right? So we kind of came up with all these case studies. I led a team of like three other business school students uh, from restaurants, large companies like Starbucks, medium-sized businesses, et cetera, and then kind of presented it to the team and say, here are the things that you should potentially consider right. uh, as you think about your product roadmap. And they get in there like, this is fucking brilliant? I hope so. Right. <laughs> I hope so. They didn't kick me out the office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, the, the diversity issue, mm-hmm. like we, we, we've had Anil Dash on the show, yeah. and, and, Anil, and the way he was... explained it is that um, racism is, is hardwired, it's baked mm-hmm. into technology, mm-hmm. and that when these when these when 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 people are developing these things, the last thing they're thinking about is people of color. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's primarily because most of them aren't people of color, right? right? Um, you know, and I, it's not an insidious thing. It's just we don't it just we happens. don't we don't occur. Yeah, yeah. To but them. the there's one kind of shining light. Right. So I read this book uh, about three years ago that had a direct impact impact on how I kind of view this world. It's called Race Against the Machine. It's one of the best books I've, I've read. Who's the author? Um, it's an MIT professor. His first name's Eric. His last name is a really kind of <laughs> complex name. I probably can't pronounce. I don't want to butcher it. Like Swedish, yeah, Danish kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's long. <laughs> it's long. Um, but he talked about like this gap between the rich and the poor. Right. right? It's as stark as it's ever been. It's widening. It's getting worse. And his thesis is kind of pretty much like... There is no middle class, mm-hmm. no, there uh, is not. and it's not coming back. Right. And I, I fundamentally believe that to be true, but he went on to explain why that gap is as stark as it is. And he's like, people at the top are leveraging technology in ways to make them a hell of a lot more productive, while people at the bottom are not, right? So if I'm at the top leveraging technology, I don't need to hire as many people, right? I don't need to do all that stuff. Because you're trying to be more productive. Exactly. Right. But let's talk about like these people who are in the 99%, right? Like many of whom are like people of color, right? This demographic group is the best consumer demographic on the planet if i equip these people with the tools to be the best producing that shit is real right the outsized impact that'll have on not only america's competitiveness but the world is sizable right so, so like, you're I'm, kind of blowing my mind a little yeah. bit man so so you equip the 99 percent 
to be as productive with the tools to create. Right. right? And uh, so what happens? Yeah. So there are a couple things because that you know, there's a country. lot of ratchet motherfuckers that will create some ratchet and there's value in that. Shit. I and mean, there's, there, value there's mad value there's in that. There's value in it. Right. But, 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 like, but my dude, but it's, it's good for some people in the world, right? right. Some people need that respite, right? Like it, it's okay. Right. I mean, just as much as you'll have the ratchet stuff, you have the non ratchet, like game changer right. stuff. Right. All but then again, without we, 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 we wouldn't have tax. Yeah, tax yeah, yeah. Tax, right. But but if you if you can create the ratchet shit, you right. can create the non ratchet stuff. Of course, right? Like right. you just need to be able to create. Right. Um. So for me, like I just want to like that's what I'm dedicating my life to. And so there are a couple of things that are happening that are interesting. Number one, you know, people of color are going to be the majority of the country in 20, 30 years, whether or not people want it to be that way or not. Like it's happening. Also. Kind of the barriers to entry and like technology adoption are kind of minimizing, right? Everybody has these smartphones in their pockets. We, Everyone. We adopt them at a faster rate than anybody else, right? Why? Anil said that. Because why? we're the earliest adopting consumer group on the planet. But 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 but, <laughs> but, but why is that? Well, access, easier communication among like we just want to make our lives easier. So does right? it tie into the fact that we're excellent 100%. communicators. I mean, let's let's think about it this way. If you look Motorola at Motorola two way Skyway, no doubt. I'm like, we God. were way ahead of that, <laughs> way ahead of the curve. I knew right? doctors and I mean, I'm way a lawyer, ahead. but I knew doctors and lawyers <laughs> yeah. that didn't work in the music industry. Even and they were like, about what beepers. the fuck is that, dude? I'm like, but the way we even communicate with beepers when they were like, it was just a completely new paradigm, right? Like of communication and thought. So at least when I think about this, you look at like page A one of the Wall Street Journal 15 years ago, right? They were talking about Cisco and Symantec, like all these technology companies. People don't know what they, like they do. Like right. you can't touch them. Right today, it's like Uber, Snapchat, mm-hmm. Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter. That like these are technology that we can touch and we affect. Right. right. Right now, what if we can and that actually affects, and fe- and affects our lives as well? Exactly. Right. And then the last part of this whole thing is that it's just becoming easier and easier and easier for people to build stuff. Right. So you think twenty years from now, like people are going to be able to like type programs in their phone, and, like call it a day, right? Like that is the future. That is an amazing one, and I think we're going to get there inevitably. So you're saying you 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 have hope with regard to the class? I have hope and conviction, and I just know it's going to like there is an inevitability to it. And if you look at our culture, whether it's sports, whether it's entertainment, whether it's academia, whether anything, like we embrace it and we dominate it. Tech is the last frontier. Of that shit. Um. With all these studies and all these reports, does the Silicon Valley get it yet? Do they do they do they acknowledge that we're the earliest adopters? And I don't I I don't think they acknowledge the fact that we're the earliest adopters of stuff. Right. Um, they're acknowledging the diversity issue, right? But I don't think it's because in their head the why right. it's important. Right? Does that make sense? Well, they I think they have to acknowledge it because our voices have become yeah. so loud. But there's a difference in acknowledgement and embracing and embracing it. Right? Uh, are they not abra- embracing? Some are. Right. Some are. The smart uh, ones are. Yeah, and like some of the work that you know I'm doing uh, and colleagues of mine are doing to actually kind of bring that to the forefront, it's happening. Right. But this, I think the important part to know is that this is a 20-year problem. This is not going to be fixed in six months. Mm-hmm. And people keep talking about it as if, like, what are you doing in six months to, like, fix this whole thing? And it's, that's, it's, it's, that's a fail, failing problem. Right. It's, yeah, you, you can't put a Band-Aid on yeah, this. It's, it's a long it's, game. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a, long, it's a yeah, healing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you leave Foursquare. I mean, uh, you leave Twitter. Yeah. You go to Foursquare. Yeah. Why? What was so important about Foursquare? Changed my life too. How? <laughs> right. So much. I used in the to same love Foursquare. Way, by the way. 
You used to. I, I used to love. Used four, to. No, no. Well, why did I used to be a you, fucking nut stop? on Foursquare <laughs> until one day I was talking about some restaurant I was at yeah. with my wife, no, and some nigga showed shows up, up yeah, like, "Hey, combat, <laughs> what's yeah. going on?" I was like, "You know what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm a Foursquare." Yeah, I mean, you know, I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. The uh, no, I mean, and, yeah. but I loved. I mean, you know, I, I saw, and it's like, you know what? Let me be just be a little bit more cautious yeah, in terms yeah, yeah. of. How I move. Well, I mean, much in the same way that I thought like Twitter broke down the communication thing, Foursquare kind of did the same, right? Whereas like the communication between me and the places I frequent, right? right? Like it was a little bit more intimate. And you establish a relationship exactly. with, with the businesses that you support. Exactly. Right. In the early days, like Foursquare would get me to do shit that I would have never done. Like get me out of bed when it's raining to go to the gym to mm-hmm. unlock like this digital badge. You're trying, like, to, be, you're trying to be the mayor? <laughs> you, like, how many, how many times were you the mayor, man? Uh, a lot. A lot. Right? Yeah. And like the, the thing that was magical about it is like I would go to the same place over and over and over again. What's the benefit to that merchant? Right. right. It got me to do things that I wouldn't have done previously. Right. I would have never gotten on the phone to call MC Hammer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it got me to do something I wouldn't have done previous. Right. And it told a very similar story to Twitter. It's just the thing that I was tweeting at was, like, the merchant and not, like, or the venue and not the venue. necessarily. Exactly, the exactly. Yeah. Which, which that, That's a good point. Yeah. I might have to go back on, man. You should. But I, I'll tell you, man. Increase that enterprise value. Stay, you know? Staying as mayor is, is fucking exhausting, I man. know it, man. It's I hate, wor- I hate becoming endeavor, mayor though. and then getting knocked <laughs> off the next day and then it become like this personal yeah, digital grudge. Game, man. Yeah, I got to get back on the <laughs> Yo, but I, I, I just, I just got to be smarter. Now, maybe I'll four square after I leave the venue. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so you, so you, 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 you bring value. Uh, to Foursquare, yeah. and then now you're like this the diversity poster child. Like yeah. everybody wants to hire you now, right? Well, yes and no because I I didn't want a job, right? Right? Like at that point, what did you want? You wanted to create. I wanted to start a company, right? And I wanted to build something ambitious, and I wanted to do something that filled an incredible need for people, right? Right? And you know, I cared about my community. But you knew it was initially. You knew it was going to be in tech. Uh, by that time, yeah. Right. By the time I was at Foursquare, I knew that there was no other option for me. And what are some of the things that 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 you thought you would be able to actualize? Yeah. With, so, without without compromising. No, no, a couple of things. Right. So, um, you know, I, I had one idea. I wanted to build a new bank, right? Focused specifically on serving the unbanked and underbanked, mm-hmm. right? So there's like thirty percent of this country that like either does not have a bank account or doesn't have access to service. Or, or they, they got go that rush. They got in. that rush card. There you go. Right. And you see what's like happening with all that. Yeah. Shit. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Right. Like, we just need better options. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, because I'm in Palo Alto now, um, you know, you go to the Chase Bank. It doesn't even look like a bank anymore. It looks like, like a private client institution. Mm. And it's like, if that's the experience everybody's used to, like, people in the hood are going to be intimidated. To, like, right. we need something better, right? right? So that was one thing I thought about. Another thing I thought about was this whole, like, obesity thing. I was like. When I was growing up, obesity was not really an issue like that. Yeah, you know, I was eating it wasn't McDonald's a disease. All it wasn't time. a disease. Yeah, it's crazy. It was a self-induced condition exactly for, right. for the most part. Right? Well, but but even kind of more important to that, we used to get out and play. Right. Right? Like yes. that, that concept does not exist Kids don't anymore, play. Right? Like it's crazy. It's crazy. Right. So what I wanted to do is figure out a way to actually, you know, we have these smartphones, we have all this. How do we encourage people to get off their asses and play? Mm-hmm. Right? In the way that like we like we always wanted to be outside when I was growing up. So, like, my mom used to, like, beat my ass if I didn't come in, like, by a sun, time. Sundown, 10 o'clock. Yeah. And now parents are fighting kids to go outside. Right. That's a problem. That's a fundamental problem. Um, so I wanted to kind of build tools to fix that. Um, and stuff like that, right? right? But, like, you think about it at its core, it's still serving the people that I love most. Right, of course. Right? And that's our people. So you, you, you get approached by all these venture capitalists. Yeah. 
capital groups. Yeah. You go to uh, Andreessen Horowitz. Yeah. Why? Uh, well, a couple of reasons. Number one, um, you know, we had a close relationship to them because they were on the board of Foursquare, largest investor, et cetera. Two, Ben Horowitz and I are super close, right? That guy looks out for me like nobody's business, uh, and I'm appreciative of it. He's taught me a lot. Um, tell, so, tell us about Ben, man. Yeah, man. He. Um, I've been trying to get him on the show, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'll talk to him. <laughs> he, he's a good dude, man. Like, he, you talk about authenticity. Everybody jokes about, like, him, like, loving hip-hop, all that stuff. I guarantee you. He's in the top 1% of, like, uh, all hip-hop aficionados. Like, he knows his shit, right. man. Like, he's good with it. He's truly authentic to that Now, story. he's the guy that co-signed Rap Genius, yeah. which eventually yeah. became Genius. Exactly. He's, he's he friends, just sees it. He's man. friends with Nas exactly. and, and the whole nine. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is, he gets it. He's right. on top of it. He understands the pulse of, like, the culture, right? right. Um, so because of it, he is honest with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I'd come to him with ideas, he was like, Tristan, that's a dumbass idea. You, right. You, you are not the guy for that idea. Right. And what was said. And was, how'd you feel when he would knock down these ideas, man? Um, I felt it was necessary because I needed to come off the clouds a little bit. Right. Because while he's knocking them down, every other venture capitalist is like, yo, these are hot. Go, right. go, go. And it wasn't until I came out with Walker and Company that everybody else was like, nah, I don't know. And Ben was like, that's it. Uh, right. Like, and at that point, I knew he had my back. Right. Right. Because, like, he's the only guy who would tell me the shit. That wasn't real, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? From other people. How do you go from trying to figure out how to start up a, a tech startup? Yeah. How do you go from that to, to walk and come? How no do you, different. I, how, how, yeah. But it, to me, it, like, maybe it's because I really am not comfortable with my, with my understanding of, yeah, yeah. of, of Silicon Valley and then you know no I mean I, I get that question all the right. time man like like you were in tech why are you not in tech to me it's know? like so different no it's not I mean okay. the only difference I mean at Foursquare there's we, nothing tech about the bevel other than it gives me a perfect shade well no because you had to get the bevel somehow right right so with, with Foursquare you know we were just selling something that was digital right now we're just selling something that's physical right and I kind of describe it in business school, they had this analogy of like a duck, right? So you see like ducks above water. It's very beautiful above water. Yeah, and it yeah, seems yeah. like it's in yeah. control. But beneath it, like they, 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 it's they get flapping putting crazy. It, put, putting that work, yeah. Right? And I, I kind of consider that our technology, right? Okay. So when you come to the site, right. you're going to see a completely different experience as like someone who comes from Tuscaloosa, mm-hmm. Alabama, as, as it should be. Right. Right? right. Like tone of voice, visuals, et cetera. Additionally, you know, I had this gentleman, I was on a panel a couple weeks ago. He walked up to me, asked me the same question. And I put it back to him. I was like, so what what shampoo do you use? Right, you said suave, and I was like, well, first of all, you need to upgrade. That suave, shit. he's but he, he says he says <laughs> suave, right? No shots, and then and then I was like, all right, well, what shampoo do you use, man? Um, God, whatever my wife has, right, right. so it's dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so he's like suave, and I was like, all right, do you know what company owns suave? And he was like, nah, I don't know. And I was like, well, when was the last time suave communicated with you? Mm-hmm. Right, like like think about this, like. We take it for granted. We walk down these aisles, put them in our basket, use them. And we've never had a connection with mm-hmm. brands. Like, that's crazy. These motherfuckers never it. loved us. Right? <laughs> exactly. So, like, it's, like, tying that connection one-to-one. Um, it's also, you know, adapting the merchandising experience in a way that's one-to-one. You can imagine a future, and this is something that I like to see, where even the contents of the bottle are one-to-one. And the only way to do it is with technology. Mm. How do you, but how does this light bulb go off? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, be, um, how are you look? Okay. Yeah. So it, it, it <laughs> you, you explained how it's not different. Yeah. But you can at least acknowledge that you're looking one way and this thing is here. 
in, yeah. in, in, in a different direction. So when I first came up with, um, so I came up with Walking Company, I think it was February or March of 2013. Right. And I had started to think about the shaving issue in January, but it wasn't for the business. It's because like I was just fed up. Right, like you, know, you were getting a stinking up my bathroom with like that depilatory shit. Like, you using magic shave? Just, oh man, I couldn't. I, I did. It were for you using years. it? You, you I, use I, magic I, shave I used it for fourteen years because yeah. you have sensitive. Yeah, because yeah. like, you have coarse and curly hair. You know the the story goes. <laughs> uh, in January of 2013, you know I was like, all right, I can't use this stuff anymore. I can't use razor. Like there has to be a better way. And you're buying the 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 shit at Dwayne Reed exactly. The, and there are two le- things that happened to me right. to make me want to start this business. Number one, I spoke to an old um, retired Procter & Gamble executive, right? And he said, Tristan, look at photos of black men 100, 120 years ago. Yes. None of them had razor bumps on their face. 100 years ago. Yeah. And I, I thought he was being facetious about it. Are you sure? Yeah. So I went to Flickr.com mm-hmm. and I'd enter these generic search terms like black men in the 1920s, like black men and whatever. I went through 1,200 photos. I didn't find one right. with razor bumps on his face. But more on that in a bit. Second thing I do, I go to Art of Shaving. Right, which everybody knows. Art of Shaving is owned by Procter & Gamble, which also owns Gillette, right? And they have every incentive in the world to take me to those $300 Mach 3 razors that they sell. Mm-hmm. So any city I go to that has an Art of Shaving, I walk in and I ask the sales rep the same question. I say, you know, I'm a man, I've had to deal with this razor bump issue. Like, what should I use? Not once have they ever taken me um, to kind of those Mach 3 or whatever razors that they have. They've always taken me to off-brand, single-blade, double-edged safety razors. At that point, I was like, there's something going on here, right? <laughs> right? Like, why are they doing this? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, which led me down kind of this whole marketing story of, like, shaving in general. So that story uh, is is really fascinating one, I think an important one, and one that I think few people really understand and has caused the kind of real misconceptions around razor shaving, period. So back in 1904, there's this guy. His name is King Gillette. I'm I'm loving this man. Yeah, no, I mean I I love talking about this stuff. King Gillette was a real dude. King Gillette. That was his first name and last. Well, I don't even King know Gillette. King Gillette. Right. He's had this amazing insight. He said for hundreds of years, barbers have been using. This thing he wasn't a king. He, I don't know what he was. <laughs> this motherfucker's well, he was name is King Gillette. <laughs> yeah, and he was rich. Yeah, okay. he was rich as a function of it. Um, he's <laughs> like barbers have been using this thing called the straight razor to great efficacy. Right. It cuts the hair level with the skin, not beneath it. It's one clean cut, so there's no pulling or tugging. But it's actually pretty hard for you to use yourself at home if you're not trained, right? You might cut yourself, whatever. So he had this insight. He said, what if you can take a single blade, house it within the safe head, attach a handle to it, take it home with you, and shave, right? And that started the mass market shaving industry. Mm -hmm. Got the patent for it. Fast forward 20, 25 years later, he loses the patent for it. Mm. And many would argue that only reason we have two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninety-two blade razors today is purely due to patent protection. Right. And if you actually travel internationally, single blade is a hell of a lot more popular than multi because they can maintain their margin. Right. Right. But it's the worst thing for people to put on their faces. Multiple. The worst thing. Multiple blades. Yeah. Single blade is by far the best thing for people. So to do. why are these people coming out every year where we got thirty-five well, so blades on the, the shaver? Here's the thing. America looked very different. 50 years ago than it will 50 years from now. Right. right? Okay. Got it. Uh, it was straighter. Mm-hmm. It's getting curlier. Right. <laughs> right. Less so there's like this skin. seismic right. shift that's happening right, right now that like, you know, it, it was okay to have closer, closer, closer because most of the consumers were okay with that. <laughs> right. It's not going to be okay in the next 20, 30 years. When you get this light bulb. Yeah. To do this, this shaver. Yeah. 
Do you fucking drop your coffee mug? Like, like, like how? How, yeah. how do you know it's it? Like, well, the first idea that I was actually going to pursue for Walker Company uh, was figuring out a way to sell hair extensions uh, more cheaply uh, and better quality with a brand uh, to women. The one thing I noticed, and kind of I would talk to my wife about this all the time, if you think about hair extensions, there's no brand for it. Right. Everybody always talks about like the Indian Remy shit, but like there's no brand Yaki. for it. Yeah. Right. And it's way Remy. too expensive. Right. It's crazy. So it was like, you know, the Warby Parker of like this kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? But like I was thinking about it. But I was like, am I the right person to start with that? Right. Like, what Are you the right insight messenger? do I have, right. right? So I was like, let me just start with the thing where I'm fundamentally authentic to the thing. And, like, I felt that problem, right? And that problem is resonating with every one of our customers. And that's when the light bulb hit off. And I had to stop giving shit what people thought about me. And that was the one, like, I remember it was going back and forth for, like, a week or two. Like, should I do this? Like what are people questioning think? yourself? Yeah, because like what are people? Well, but think? what's the stigma? <laughs> you because you, you're exactly you're, you're jumping into the exactly. black men's uh, grooming market, exactly. and was there like was that was that was that kind of embarrassing? Exactly where you were. Well, I mean, that's the one thing that at least at that time I was worrying. About. Right, and I very quickly got right. over that. Right, because I was like, you know what? Number one, it's an advantage that like I recognize this problem. Yeah. Number two, I have an authentic story to tell. Number three, I actually do have the ability to raise money for this thing, mm, which right? is which is yeah. a big fucking number three. It's huge. It's reason... number two and number one too. Well, <laughs> yeah, touche. But but here's like the the nuance, which is really important, and it took me having to go through the fundraising process to realize it. Because we got so many no's, it showed me that nobody else is going to be able to raise money for a similar type of thing. So you saw your white space exactly, and it was like they're not going to fund anybody else until they see if our stuff works. Right, and by then it'll be too late. You bring this idea to Ben. Yeah. He was like, you got to do it. Yeah, well, the it. first idea I gave him was the, the hair thing. Right. He was like, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then the shaving thing, he was like, yeah, it's smaller. So like, you know, how are you going to make it big? And I told whatever. Right. Like he bought it. I think he was just thematically all in. He was like, you know, this community, you know how they communicate. You know, you know, the social media word of mouth thing. Um, you can do it. You're the guy. And did he, uh, you just said something. Did he key in not only to the product, but did he key into how he knew that you were the key to your community? Yeah. I that, mean, that's what he keyed into. Yeah, totally. I mean, look, the, Ben, uh, Ben, I mean, and his wife, Felicia, are amazing. Right. Like Felicia's from Compton. Like right. she, black woman, strong black woman. She is the dopest, right? Like, you know, is she a B or a C? All her family. What's that? I'm joking. Yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> she, she is one of the just dopest people, right. and like he kind of gets that culture not only through her, her family, friends, etc. Like Ben lives this stuff, right? Right. So like he's able to identify that a hell of a lot sooner than anybody else is, and I'm thankful for that, man, because like he gets it. And he introduced you to Nas. Um. So how did you meet Nas? Yeah, it's a good good point. So I met um, Steve Stout. Um, at his office at Translation, mm -hmm. Steve Stout. Um, I told him I you know knew of Ben. Um, I made the connection between Steve and Ben. They became fast friends, oh, okay. and so then you... Steve made the Nas connection. I said, well, oh wow! Yeah, so you started then, that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Nas became one of the early co-signers. So so Nas was one of the earliest investors in Rap Genius, right, right. and Ben put him onto that. I think. Uh, and then Nas was the second person I pitched, and the okay. first money I got. Wow! Yeah. Now how was it, man? pitching the god's godson weird, like man. like here you are groomed in silicon valley <laughs> yeah and and, and you're, you're you're pitching to these venture capitalists yeah. that live a whole different world and a whole different life yeah and now you're pitching 
to one of your. I would imagine you're from Queens. Yeah, Nas man, is one of big. the best I ever that did. Was big, is, is 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 that more nerve wracking? Is it that crazy. were you more nervous pitching to him crazy, than to man. the typical venture capital? Well, that was the second time I met him. The right. first time I met him, he had just made a visit to Andreessen Horowitz. Right. Ben had a meeting with him, called me in. I was still an entrepreneur in residence. Right. I didn't say anything that whole meeting because I was nervous as right. shit. And then Ben looked at me. He was like, Tristan, what do you have to say? You're from Queens. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, it was written. I, I fumbled my whole thing. <laughs> but like, fortunately, I had a pitch before I gave him my pitch. Right. And it was pretty easy. Like, he's pretty astute. Um, he gets the culture, right? Like, he knows. And the thing that was crazy about it all for us is not only was like the Queens connection, like he's an authentic dude. But like you think about the grooming, the haircut, he's like, all well that groomed. Stuff. He's the dude, yeah. Right? Nas is well yeah, groomed. Yeah. yeah, he's the guy. And we we had met with like a whole bunch of different celebrities and stuff. But like, you know, he's going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's been through a bunch, right? Like people still respect him to this day. Uh, probably orders of magnitude more than they do any other rapper, right? Right. right. Um, and he's like, you know, you think about you know Jay Z era, Nas era, whatever. It's like Nas is still around, yes. right? And he still has more music left, mm-hmm. right? Like, and people are still going to buy those albums, and people are still going to rap. Like, it was surreal to even have him in our camp. That's crazy, yeah. man. You know, this weekend I, I spoke at uh, Wharton mm-hmm. um, with Russell Simmons, and he said it's incumbent on black people to cross over mm-hmm. and get recognized by the white faces because the white faces rarely cross over mm-hmm. to recognize us. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Because I get it. It makes a whole lot of sense, but emotionally, it still has that sting that black people have to cross over. Wait, so to um, make like white folks believe that like we deserve it, you mean to get to be- to believe that that we we deserve the 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 attention, the support, the ability to finance some of our dreams. Uh, I mean, I personally don't think we need to um, make them believe anything. Right, right. We just need to do what we need to do. Right, right. But we but you succeed. but in a sense, you kind of had to do that, no. No, I mean, regardless, I mean, sure. Like I need to raise money to kind of build the business, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but nobody gave me the money when they didn't understand what we were doing. Right. Does that make sense? Right. So it's not like no one gave me money for charity's sake. Right. Right. I earned that shit. Right. And you know, that's how it should be. Like I want to earn it. Like no one needs to hand me that stuff on a platter. I'm going to let my results and output speak for itself. Right. Um, so I, I kind of get the merits of what he's saying, right. but like that feel, still feels a little bit old school. Yeah, it feel, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't feel right. And this yeah. is no shots to Russell because Russell's yeah. the guy. No, I mean, but, he is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Now I've, I've had the good fortune to meet him and dude knows what he's talking about. He's a smart dude. Yo, let right? me tell you, man, I, I'm so impressed with Russell because um, they tapped me to do this this one-on-one with him, mm-hmm. this, this keynote at Wharton. And all of his handlers were like, yo. Do not talk about the rush card. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, how the fuck am I going to yeah. sit down yeah. in front of these black business students at yeah. Wharton and talk to Russell and insult their intelligence, yeah, of course. my brand, of the course. Wharton brand, Russell's brand. So, you know, I spoke to Chris, Chris Morrow, yeah. and Mar- Morrow texted Russell. And he was yeah. like, Russ, like, you know, can you just talk? And he's like, yo. Oh, I, yeah, because they used to work together. Well, they yeah, do work together. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they still work together. Yeah. And and Russell texted Chris back and was like, yo, I'm tired of them saying this shit. I want to talk about this. Yeah. So that was the first thing. That's that he, cool. So he, he bit into it, man. And, yeah. we, we, and he, you know, so I got to give that man his props, yeah. man, because he's still. He doesn't shy away from he's, it, he did, he, yeah. He's not shying away from it at yeah. all, man. Yeah. Diversity is a big key word right now, man. Mm-hmm. And you've shown commitment to change, changing that. How? <sighs> and I, I, I want to I, I, I say this, man. Yeah. Um the world has to get, or our country, our nation has to get that diversity 
it's not a black issue huh? because I, I, I and I say this a lot on the show, man. Like you and you've said it yourself in terms of how we communicate, how we're brilliant at, at so, how we excel yeah. at so much. And I really believe, man. But word for um for opportunities, uh, particularly with people of color, particularly in people in social economic yeah. uh, d- disadvantages. Yeah, um, we'd probably have the cure for cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we probably have space travel locked down because you see brilliant people in the hood each and every day. The one thing, and I talk a lot about this. So it's, it's, it's a human problem. Yeah. We, um, we also got to support each other. Man. Yes. It's um, the one thing that just disappoints me the most whenever I see the crabs in a barrel shit. Yeah. I hate that, man. Like, man, does, isn't, isn't that hurt? We could all do a better job. Doesn't that it's hurt, like, man? It does. I mean, right. and sure, like I'm sure I've been guilty of it right. too myself, right? But like we all just need to be mindful of it. And when we like band together and support in a way that's like, fundamentally positive right and wealth creating that's big yeah and it it, like and this goes back to kind of the russell statement like we don't need to wait on them to accept us Mm -hmm. like we need to band together we have to accept ourselves yeah have you had some issues where you 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 know you there's very few faces black faces Mm -hmm. in silicon valley Mm -hmm. and it's like damn bro you're not you're not like you didn't connect with other people of color? Well, look, I mean... <laughs> or you didn't have support or... The harshest criticisms I get right. come from people in the community. Okay. you read, like To this day, I can't... What read, are they saying? I don't know. So I say this because, you know, when I, when I first read it, they'd say harsh shit like, oh, like well, what? you know... Um, you know, Silver Spoon went to prep school, Stanford, of course. Oh, so not questioning your... Yeah, it's stuff like that. Authority. Like, yeah, but like whenever I'm in an article, I refuse to read the comments, right? right? And uh, It's very smart. I did this because... Very smart, Tristan. I, I hate the comments. My mom would call me crying. Right. Right? Because she see other like black folk like trying to like put it down. And it's like, Who man, this like, nigga think sucks. he is? Right? Stuff like... It, it happens, right. man. And I hate to see it. Right. I hate to see it. And I wish we saw less of it. And that's not only me. Like, I see it to other folks, too. Right. right? the less of that we have the more successful we'll be in the aggregate right. right like but that's something that has been the case when on wall street it's the case out here at times it's everywhere right that's just a systemic thing that i think we should all be mindful right of. so how's bevel doing bevel's great man yeah. we you know 18 months in 18 months in buying it, right you know, and then 95 oh, oh wait only only 18 months we in. started shipping february last year wow yeah it's crazy and and how how like can you tell us like percentage wise how this thing has grown yeah so gosh like since, are people are you getting like increased yeah since, orders since repeatedly? inception you know you've gone like 20 percent a month or something like that really and, consistently yeah I mean, there's it ebbs and flows, right? right? Of course. Like sometimes we'll do you do get nervous when it when it ebbs? Sometimes, like no. I mean, I'm in this for the long game. Right. Like, I want this to be around 150 years right. from now. I don't right. focus on the next three months. So the know, awareness so. is out there. Uh, n- not yet. Right. Right. Like, I mean, there's still a lot of people who have no idea who we are. That's true. Right. right? Now we're going to be in Target early next year. Right. Congratulations, so Target. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tar- that's big, man. Yeah, that's huge, man. That's I'm, big. Um, I'm excited. How'd you get to that point, man? Um, so it's a funny story. We uh, in summer of last year, so we were in the market for like four months, and we send out these surveys to customers, just saying, like, "How do you like the experience?" That sort of thing. Um, and you know, you rate it one to ten, and once you rate it, you're asked for a comment, and then we get kind of all that feedback back so we can improve our our products. So I saw two back to back comments right on the same day. And one of them had like two paragraphs, glowing recommendation about Bevel, how it's improved the skin, et cetera, et cetera. And the next comment was about a paragraph about the same thing. The first email that was under that first comment was, you know, first name dot last name at target.com. Next one was first name dot last name at target. 
like, okay, let me go to LinkedIn. <laughs> I go on LinkedIn. Turns out that like it's kind of one of their shave buyers, one of their personal care buyers, wow. right? Uh, you know, ended up uh, the gentleman Ray, uh, who um, great dude, love him. Went to Stanford GSB, uh, black dude too, right? Uh, and he actually used it to his benefit. So it was like, wow, like we have customers uh, who come from that, and that's like the best possible type of, of um, not necessarily endorsement, but um, but it is though. It's 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 it's, it's honest. It's sincere. You yeah, know, it, it's touched sincere. somebody's life. It's sincere. Right. Um, so kind of when we reach out to him, it was like very mutual, um, and you know, it very symbiotic. Um. You just recently, with regard to this Target deal, yeah. you also raised $24 million. We did. Yeah, we Congratulations, did. Congratulations, Thank man. you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Let Gosh. me ask you something, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, have you ever done some dumb rapper shit with your money? No. Nothing at all? No. Not, what's, what's the, man, if, if, what's the most me, frivolous shit you've done with your money? I'd take an Uber to San Francisco. Le legit. Like, right. I was, like, until we raised this last round of funding, if I ever had to travel from Palo Alto to San Francisco, it's like a 35-minute drive, I would drive myself. Right. I would go find parking. Right. I'd pay for parking myself because I felt like I had to be a good steward of that capital. Right. And it just got to the point where it just made me a hell of a lot more inefficient, right? Finding parking, mm -hmm. paying for the parking, all that stuff. And it's like I just The, the boss can't be forth. out there trying to find parking. But I still you feel- you got an industry to run, <laughs> I, I still feel bad, you know what right. I'm saying? Because it's like, it feels too frivolous. Right. Um. So, like, I'm- my biggest criticism from my board member to me is that he's like, Tristan, at times you're almost too timid, right? Because, right. like, I know what it's like to not have the money, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So when I have it, I'm not losing this shit, right? <laughs> right? So I want to be a very good steward of that capital. Yes. I want to make sure that we're making that thing grow. And that's it. So you will never see me do some. Is your lady stuff. trying to get you to do some 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 no, extravagant shit? No, no, she's in this for the long right, time too. Right. She's in this for the long. Now we we talked a, a little bit earlier about you know how you know money changes you. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't know that. But but <laughs> and it, but it also changes your environment. Yeah. And and your family. How's the impact of your of your success had on your family? Well, first of all, I haven't really had financial success yet. Right. right? Like I mean, I'm. I'm still all in on my equity, right. and like my house, right? Like I just liquid. There's I'm, money I'm around you, right, 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 yeah. right? That could all go to zero. Right? Stop playing. It, it could, Stop playing. Stop. Not, I mean, that's just the risk of the business, oh, right? right? right. It's just math. Right. Math suggests that. Right. Now we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that that of course you know, we have zeros on the other end yeah. of that equation, right? Um, but at least the thing that is great, at least living where I do in Palo Alto, you know, it's a place where no one underestimates anybody else, right? So, like, as a function of it. There's really no, like, cockiness and competitiveness, right? Whereas in New York, like, everyone's competitive, mm -hmm. hustle, 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 hustle. Right, right. Palo Alto, like, you can take your time with a little bit, right? right. Um, so that you can allows think me, things out. You, exactly. You're not reacting. Exactly. You're not being reactive. Exactly. Right. So it's it's actually allowed me to l be a little bit more empathetic, right? Um, and not as type A as I probably once was. Right. Right? I think so. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um... What are you working on for women now? Are you working nah, on these? you get me in trouble. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so we're going to launch a, a new brand um, next year uh, for women. Okay. Um, and it's really along this theme. Uh, and that theme is um, really truly personalizing a full experience, not only online, but also even the things that you use, right? Uh, unique to you uh, or as much as we can in right. a way. Okay. You know, I was telling uh, Tax and, you know, I, I always want to give this story because I think it's important for everybody to hear this story. And it's, it's a unique thing for me to kind of get at my authenticity a little bit. And it has to do with my son, right? So my son, year old, 
best thing happened to me and my wife. Uh, and my wife had miscarried in, in December of 2013. It was hard, man. Like it was crazy. Like the first, you know, potential child and then to have it go away, it was just a hard thing. Uh, but I didn't realize how prevalent it was, right? Like a lot of women have to deal with this thing a lot, yes. right? like 20, 30%, something like that. Mm-hmm. All pregnancies, right? Mm-hmm. But for women of color, that percentage spikes really significantly. Really? And you know why? Why? There's some really compelling research now that says the types of relaxers women put in their hair leads to potential uterine fibroids, which wow. leads to potential infertility mm-hmm. and miscarriage. Now, wow. think about that. Like, you have all that formaldehyde mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whether or not that affected my wife's miscarriage, I have no idea. Right. But the fact there's a chance pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that we're going to kind of make a relaxer. Right? That's, right. Not, that's not our game. But it's really this idea of like understanding her circumstance and developing an experience and a suite of products uniquely tailored to that circumstance. That's brilliant. Much in the same way, my son, you know, <laughs> the dude has a trifecta. He, has, he had had eczema. He's allergic to dairy, nuts, eggs. Mm. He might have some asthma. Like mm-hmm. the dude is like, right. uh, <laughs> but he still needs to use things yes. that he can use that are right. tailored to his unique circumstance. That's a future for the business that we want to lead where it's less about like making healthy That beauty. kid yeah. is going to make you more wealthier than you can even imagine. I hope so. He's got some work to do. No, I'm saying, but you, (laughs) because of what you know that he needs. Yeah. And your commitment. Just got Not only to your community, but to your kid. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And the kind of insights that I kind of see from it, it's pretty profound. It's amazing, man. I want him to live in a world where he fundamentally feels two things. Number one, he can produce at the same level as anyone else, Mm -hmm. if not better. Right. And two, he feels like he's treated as a first class consumer. Not the second class shit right. that we've been so used right, to. Right, 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 right. Um, fatherhood. Yeah. Love it. You love it. It's the best thing. Man. You know, let me ask you this, man. Yeah. And this is this is personal for me to you. So mm-hmm. my father wasn't around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I was about to be a father, yeah. um, it was very terrifying for me because I didn't have the blueprint. Mm-hmm. It's like, I got to figure this shit mm-hmm. out. And and over the years, you know, we have four now. We just put our first in, in, mm-hmm. in college and. And I, I realized some of the mistakes that I made, but I also realized that angst and that fear of mm. doing the right thing because my father wasn't. A, did, did you go through that, man? Uh, like not knowing the blueprint or whatever? Right. I actually think that was an advantage, to be honest. Okay. Right? Because I did see so many times when it was done wrong. Right? And that's not, you know, at least my, that's other people's families, right. friends' families, et cetera. And I you're a like, smart dude. Gonna, and, yeah. Right. It's like I knew, how can I be the father that I've always wanted to grow up with? Right. And that's kind of what I try and inspire in my son. Now, fortunately, my son's going to grow up very different from how I did. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the dude is raised in Palo Alto. Mm-hmm. Like he's not going to have want. Right. Like the, the kid uh, is, you know, he's going to grow up in a completely uh, a little bit more diverse uh, and, community, and, and right? nurturing environment. Exactly. And right. So it's different. Um, but it makes things a little bit easier for right. us. Right. Because we don't have to worry about the potential kind of financial burden. We don't have to necessarily worry about the stresses. Even if, like, you're not super well off, I'm happy. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's a trade off that, like, my wife and I have appreciated. That's amazing, yeah. man. Um, find Your Barber. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about Find Your Barber. Yeah. So that's coming out tomorrow. So Tuesday. Tuesday We're launching yes. this new thing. Um, so we had this kind of platform, Find Your Barber, uh, in New York. We would kind of document like 10 to 12 of the best barbers all around New York. Um, you know, we had all our customers coming to us saying, hey, I'm traveling to Chicago. What barbers should I use? 
<laughs> right? Like there's no, except if you go to Yelp, right. you end up going to a barbershop, getting like some bow cut and just messing your whole situation $45. Up. Yeah, nah, nah, not good. Right. Um, so what we're going to do, we're expanding that out into a whole bunch of cities tomorrow. You know, you're going to see Dallas, Philly, New York, That's Chicago, right. Atlanta, LA, like everywhere. And we're going to show you the best barbershops in every city and tell you why, how much they cost, why you should go there, et cetera. What are some of the qualifiers that, that qualify as one of the best barbers? Um, well, a couple of things. Number one, just uh, peer review, right? right. So uh, we have customers. We have a huge email list. People recommend their barbers, right. et cetera. Right. Uh, you know this from Bevel Co. We profile some of the best barbers mm-hmm. in the world, period, right? So we have our semblance of Bevel approved versus everything else, right? Um, so what this could morph into one day, you can think about like a full suite of like reviewed barbers that come from folks like you, right? As opposed to from us, like speaking at right, you. Right, right. And it'll be like a really big living ecosystem where you can find the best barbers, best products, et cetera, globally. Yo, have the hood barbers started hitting you up yet, man? All Yeah, that's every day. Right. Every day, right. man. Like we, they you have embraced love, us so much. You gotta love the hood barbers, yeah, man. Yeah, man, it's the best. They're right. like almost celebrities in their own. Of right? course, like, of it's course. This, it's interesting community because like, we speak to all the celebrity barbers or whatever, and then you have all the barbers who look up to those celebrity barbers. And all. It's it's a beautiful thing, man. They all support us because outside of like that barber side stuff that right. <laughs> you see is yeah. great. Like there's really no brands that are supporting and embracing that culture. And I think where it hit us when we first launched, everybody was like, well, so that doesn't mean you're trying to get rid of the barbershops. And I'm like, no, that's not our goal I'm at all. To enhance it. Exactly. It's like you're going to go to your barber every other Saturday. Yep. Let us take care of you from Sunday through Friday. That's it. Yep. That's it. Are, are shops starting to implement some of your, some uh, bevel? Oh yeah, yeah. So we have a few shops that kind of sell some product. It's right. just hard harder to scale, like un, unless you have like a sales force going out right. and knocking. Right. That's what Find Your Barber helps with. Okay. Because right? now we kind of get folks on the platform. Right. We can communicate with them. One thing we also do for Find Your Barber, we'll go and send like or create like high definition photos of your shop for free. Right. right. We'll write a post about your shop. And a lot of these shops don't even have websites, mm. right? Well, so one uh, yeah, that's crazy. gentleman on my board, Jeff Jordan, he was the CEO of OpenTable. And he said the one insight that was really interesting is that a lot of these restaurants just did not have websites. Mm. Uh, and OpenTable provided that value-added service to right. get them all on, and then they can kind of do the reservation stuff. It's no different from us. Of course. Right? Um, and this is where culture starts, right? Yep. And these folks haven't embraced the tools they need to actually proliferate culture in the way they need yeah. to. Do you have any plans on on uh, developing, I guess, an, an industrial grade bevel for these shops? Is that is that an idea? You're that way you... ahead of it, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I'm just I'm just. So one thing that we hear all the time right. is like, you, know, you look at our safety razor. Barbers can't shave with it. You can't right. shave other people with it, yeah. right? So they use the straight razor or whatever. Also, like our sizes are a bit small for the liquid stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're thinking very seriously. Nice, nice. Yeah, we we have to. Nice, nice. We have to. Code twenty forty. Yes. Yes, uh, one of the best things that uh, I work on. Um, so I founded Co Twenty Forty, uh, co-founded it with a uh, woman, Laura um, Wyman Powers. She was a classmate of mine in business school, JD MBA, brilliant woman. She's the CEO right now. Uh, Co Twenty Forty was really founded to help folks not make the same mistake I did, and that's realizing that Silicon Valley existed when I was twenty four, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, so at Co Twenty Forty, we bring the best and brightest engineering undergraduates who happen to be Black Latino bring them to Silicon Valley for the summer, provide them with internships mm. at the best tech firms, you know, the Facebooks, the Slacks, the Ubers, et cetera. And then we provide them with all the tools they need to be incredibly successful. 
So, you know, we have like a five to 10% acceptance rate. So we, you know, the bar is high, right? Um, and then when they're there in their internships, we'll give them kind of media training. They'll go to Bloomberg Studios, do mock on air interviews. They'll do fireside chats with the men Horaces of the world, really intimate off the record chats. Um, you know, they do all these hackathons, like it's an intense 12, 10 to 12 weeks. And we want them to be tired by the end of it. That's nice. That has worked. We get a 90% plus full-time offer rate. We're proving that these kids exist. And it was built after the model of SEO, right? right. Uh, right. Where like these folks don't have the resources to go to Stony Brook. Right. We do, right? Right. And we'll find it's amazing. that 4.0 uh, out of 4.0 GPA CS grad. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's amazing. Yeah. Man. It's been working, man. And I'm proud of it. I mean, everything's working, man. You know, well, G- I mean, GQ, <laughs> yeah, you know, Grooming working. Award of 2015. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what is a Grooming Award? What is, um, what is a GQ grooming award? Do they give you like a statue? <laughs> no, they give you a digital logo that you can use on your website. Okay. <laughs> your packaging. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, we won for um, uh, one of their like best razors or whatever. Congratulations, uh, which man. Which is great. You know, it's still fairly new. So right. I'm, I'm excited about that. You're a smart guy. You're a successful guy. But what, what I'm getting is bevel is not just something that you do you're really 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 passionate about this yeah man when, when i think about walker and company if there's anything for anybody to remember it's it's really this i'm 31 and i can say with full conviction right. full conviction i've never had a company that i could say i was proud to support mm. like there are a lot of great companies great products right, right? like apple or whatever, whatever i can't say i was proud to support them and i feel like when my mom's growing up brother whatever you had Soul Train, you had Soft Sheen mm-hmm. Carson, you had like all these like really beautiful, rich brands that they were proud to support. And we don't have that anymore. So when I think about Walker and Company, it's like, can I build the first company that this generation and future generation can be fundamentally proud to support? Like, how much is that shit worth? It's priceless. That's it. Yeah. Right. And that's what wins. Yeah. Top five MCs. Ah, <laughs> oh, you hit me with it. Hmm. Starting at five or is it going on? <laughs> Doesn't matter. I mean, you know. All right, I'll just say five. Top five. Um, you know, KRS one is in the building tonight, man. Yes, he's, I he's heard. Now, yeah. So you also got to understand him from the new school too. Yes, that's um, a, that's all right. So Nas, yeah, my favorite. Right. Eminem. Mm-hmm. We're just talking lyrics, right? Or are you talking songs? It's it's your personal top five. Um, There's no qualifier. Yeah, it's your M, personal. Big. Um, I got it. I got to say, Jay, rock him. Very good. Yeah. And 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 you actually that's a. It's a great cross uh, cross era. Yeah, yeah. yeah. List, so, man. like, the, the thing is, and the reason I say that, like, the new school, like, you know, it's funny. Like, I never really listen to lyrics until, like, the hundredth time I hear a song, mm-hmm. right? And, like, I just like, like, dance music, dance right. music, dance music. And Rakim was, like, that first, like, crossover into, like, that commercial shit or that sound. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That flow. Uh, and that's when I really, really started to like hip-hop. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you do when you're not working, man? I watch reality TV, man. Really? That's it. Like Housewives, <laughs> I read a lot. Housewives all of that. Atlanta, all that. Yeah, really. So, so you're reality. Yeah. So I do three things. I right. watch a lot of reality TV with my wife. What's your favorite one? Um, love hip hop. Okay. Yeah. Really? That. Are you laughing? Yo, Why are you laughing? Tristan Walker <laughs> is ratchet at home, my nigga. <laughs> No doubt. Ah, I love no that man. No I, I love that man. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So I, I watch that with my wife all the time. Right. I read a lot. Right. I read a lot of like biographies about like great men right what are you reading now um so i just finished andrew carnegie's mm. um biography i'm about to dig into rockefeller mm-hmm. um i have like two books on escobar <laughs> um, pablo yeah and the reason you know a lot of people look like why is that all the crazy terrible shit that he did right like 
he was able to do what he did. He did it. And there's something like just interesting about like how he was able to do it for so long right. at such a scale. It's interesting. Yeah, he controlled the country. Yeah, did yeah. you watch Narcos? Yeah, of course. Crazy, yeah, right? I've seen like all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, I'm just fascinated by both great men, great women um, who do amazing things and like hearing it from the, the view of someone decades after they've accomplished those things right. is fascinating to me. Uh, and then I do photography too. Like really? Street photography. Type your own gritty your, your, Really? Yeah. You take any classes or you just... No, I just, you know, go out and do it. Like, right. I'm... I Whenever I want to learn something, I try and, like, teach myself how to do it, right? Even, like, I used to play golf a little bit, right? And I would, like, teach myself how to do it, right? right? Um, and I'm a bit of a sadist like that. Yeah. <laughs> I just... That's the best way for me to learn. Digital or film? Um, digital. Okay. Yeah, yeah, So, I'm still... You're not fucking with I'm that. <laughs> I, I, would, I would like to do film. Right. It's just, I don't have the time the time right you know like the process get your own little dark room in the base yeah Yeah, yeah. i would love that yeah yeah, that's crazy man yo tristan man this is this has been definitely great man and like i said man i i appreciate all the things that you're doing i appreciate the support um that that you've that you've given us man because it's been very helpful and 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 it's also like just being part of your legacy just being able to push the bevel brand and you know, when cats think of some of our shows, it's like, you you know, not only do they think of our legacy, but they think of the Bevel legacy, yeah. man. So, so I mean, I, I wish we could continue to to continue to do bigger and better things, yeah. man. And, and thank you, man. Well, I mean, it goes both ways, man. Right. I tell Christus, Tax, Charlamagne, like all these cats, man, thank you for continuing to do what you're doing. Right. And like I, and I, I say this, like I said the crabs in a barrel shit, but like this is me practicing what I preach. Right. Like you guys just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, man. I think... I hope you guys realize what you were doing, like for this. Country, I, I have you know an idea. Saying? I have an idea. <laughs> it's and just like do not let this. Go. No, it's about to get bigger and better. Yeah, watch, great. watch. Yeah, it's it's about to get. And we've yeah. had some conversations. Yeah, about whatever we can it's, do. It's a, man, oh right? no, let's yeah. let's do it, man. Yeah. Def, definitely. Um, what's next for you, man? Man, uh, just trying to get this money. Yeah, <laughs> trying to get more money, right? Yeah. No, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I got some more like press stuff to do tomorrow. Right. I'm flying out to LA uh, the day after to shoot some video for this new product we're gonna right. be launching soon. Um, and going on holiday, man. I, I need that family. product. Yeah, I got you. I need that. I got you. I need that purse. <laughs> it's coming. I can't wait to put that shit on Instagram. <laughs> I got you on the line. <laughs> um, what else? What else? What else? What else, man? Um, I think that's it, man. Good. I, I mean, anything- that's thorough. <laughs> anything else? Uh, anything else you want to talk oh, man, about, man? I'm, I'm good. I, I know when the exit left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. once again, man. Anytime, you know. Of course, you got you got the number to the bat line. Man. Yeah, no doubt. Internet's man. You know what this is, man. Dream your dreams, man up, woman up, and live those dreams. Because a life without dreams is black or white, and the universe flows. And Technicolor and surround sound. Wow. This episode of the Combat Jack Show was produced by Jonathan Menner. Executive produced by A King. And Chris Morrow, engineered by Samir Karan and recorded in the Engine Room Audio Studio in downtown Manhattan. This is an official Loudspeakers Networks production.